I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours, we're a music podcast that chats to artists, musicians and creatives on their songwriting craft and upcoming projects. I'm your host Simon Fink and welcome to episode 292. We're welcoming back the lovely Tim and Oscar from Holy Holy to the pod today. The guys are on to chat about their brilliant new record Cellophane, which is coming out today. It's an extremely diverse and um, brilliant sonically sounding record. So please make sure you check that out. Before we get into our conversation with the guys, please make sure you subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whatever app that you use, and ensure that you follow us across all of our social media channels. Details for all can be found within the show notes of today's episode. Our guests today are Holy Holy. The indie pop duo comprising of Tim Carroll and Oscar Dawson are one of Australia's most beloved indie bands. Having four acclaimed and well-loved records under their belt, the band have never been one to shy away from mixing up their sonics and trying different genres on for size. Over the years, they've also been a champion for new and upcoming acts, having showcased newer artists across their discography as well as more established acts. Today, they're releasing what might be their most diverse record yet with cellophane. It sees Tim and Oscar once again testing those boundaries of what Holy Holy can be, and it really does explore some beautiful sonic territories. In today's episode, we're talking to both Tim and Oscar about this brilliant new record and the collection of guests that they've assembled this time around. We talk about how they experiment with new genres and sounds and their creative process behind that. And then we also talk about where the band goes from here and what is after this record and what the future holds for Holy Holy. Cellophane is out right now and we've left links in the show notes so that you can buy the record. We also want to say a massive thank you to Nick from Sony Music Australia for his help with today's episode. Here is our conversation with Holy Holy. Text me when you get the weekend need inside. Hope you want to dance because I need you there tonight. Tonight. Please welcome back to This Song Is Yours, Tim and Oscar from Holy Holy. Gentlemen, hello. How are we? Good, thanks. Good to be with you. Thanks, Simon. We're good, yeah. That's very good to hear. Um, whereabouts are we finding you today? I know that you're both usually kind of separated by the, um, what is, is it, the Tasman Sea? I'm terrible with uh, with oceans. Bass, Bass Strait. I think the Tasman separates Australia from New Zealand, doesn't it? <laughs> I think you might be right. I think I had my um, a, a body of water that was close by but not the right one, so... <laughs> Where are we finding you together today? But they're, but they're all joined up. It's the same water, really, you know. We're in um, the belly of the beast here. We're at Sony Records, baby, <laughs> where where the magic happens. 
we're, we're at the label, the major label. We're at the place where dreams are made and broken <laughs> um, in Sydney. Yeah, so we're signed to like this small label, Wonderlic, but Wonderlic are a subsidiary of Sony. So we have we have um, some friends and people who help us, you know, make the records and and get the records out to people here at Sony. So we're here doing a bunch of talking about music today. Well, we very much appreciate you um, allowing us to join that list of people that you're chatting to about music and um, this brand new record that is. It will be announced and it will be out by the time that this uh, this conversation is aired, but you've got a brand new record called Cellophane out this week. So congratulations, firstly. Thank you. Thanks. Of course. Um, how are you feeling? I know that this is the, what is it, the fifth Holy Holy record, so not the first time around. Are there still nerves? Do you still kind of, are there any traditions when it comes to releasing music within the band? You know, it's a bit funny these days because, like, because there's so many singles and streaming songs um, that come out before the actual album drops. Because we, we were chatting earlier about having like listening parties when the record comes out to get fans together and like play the songs for the first time. But I did find myself thinking, right, okay, what what's left of the record that people won't have heard? <laughs> um, but I think we're both getting better at um, trying not to like judge ourselves like too much on what other people think and not to like get too lost in the comment threads of various people who um, maybe want wanted us to make the first record five times um, and, you know, just enjoy the process of, of making art that moves us and, 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 allow, and trusting that that music will find its audience maybe. 100%. Do you, um, do you tend to get a lot of requests requesting, I guess, the first record to be made again and again? I don't know if requests <laughs> is the right word, but, <laughs> you know, if I look, to be honest, if people are on our social a social media page commenting on something we've done, I'm almost like a bit just stoked because it's like they've taken the effort to kind of, you know, be there and care. But obviously, like, well, it might not be obvious actually, it is the case that, you know, sometimes you put out new stuff and people are like, oh, I wish you had some more guitar solos or something like that. <laughs> and that's, I, I mean, I understand that's like, you know, I, I remember with some bands that I would have loved over the years being a bit like, oh, I wish they had some more like of that or that or something else that was similar to something I'd already heard. But I just, I just think that, I don't know, I feel like we just have to do what we do and keep moving forward and, you know, making music that makes us feel i suppose you know what whatever that might may be and um and i think that you can't always choose what that is exactly you know um and so to be honest like I, i'm really generally like our fans are really great i mean um and we i, I feel like we've got a really good bond with our fans and so it's always really wonderful when we put out music and uh, especially when we get to go on the road and tour it and actually you know see people's faces and some, sometimes meet people in the flesh it's 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 always really great actually you know the um the record is i want to say that in terms of i guess talking about not making the same record twice this is the probably most sonically forward stepping record that i've heard from holy holy and i think that's saying something because you're not known for repeating the same record. Um, yeah, cellophane is this, I want to say it's almost genre agnostic in a way. 
in terms of like what it's covering. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad, I'm, I feel the same way, and, that's, and I haven't heard anyone say that, but it, it's it's true, and it you know it tells me that you've heard it and and listened to it the way that we <laughs> kind of hope that people would. Um, we did kind of. I guess there was a couple of points when we were making making the songs. I, mean, I feel like there's little gangs of songs on the record. Like the beginning of the record's a bit more like, oh, yeah, yeah, and then it starts just being like, well, what the fuck is this song? <laughs> um, and we did kind of a couple of times like sort of, sort of Oscar and I kind of narrowed our eyes and looked at each other across the studio and we were like, what are we going to do about this? Like and how do these songs sit together? And ultimately we just decided that um, we didn't mind. And we and we wanted to like allow the song just allow each song to be what it like we we both had a sense of what the song wanted to be and we were like we're just going to allow these songs to be what they are and that's like a freedom that we have as artists and especially in this age of like you know streaming and online it's like well, we can do that if we want to and 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 maybe listeners will enjoy that experience of like a really diverse sounding record we'll see. 100%. Is it, are there ever any conversations when in the studio? And I know you've just kind of touched on it then, but like, I guess as, as an album cycle wraps up, I know that the previous record, I think the last time um, we had you on the podcast, you were about to release Hello, My Beautiful World. When that album cycle wraps up, is there ever a discussion of what the next is going to be um, in terms of ideas or sonics? Or is it just kind of you get to it when you're in the studio and creating it? It's generally, I, I do think that um, things tend to be a bit more amorphous in reality, i.e. I, I never have a, you know, people in the world talk about album cycles and so on. I never have a sense of when a cycle ends and the next one begins, a sort of a bit more kind of, of a gradient between things. And mm-hmm. so it doesn't, you know, like we, we certainly have like, moments where we'll, you know, clock that, okay, we've just finished a tour and we'll, you know, we might have a celebration, for example. Um, and and obviously we talk about what we're up to in a broad sense, but, like, yeah, it, it does, you know, we're often flowing from one thing into the next. And um, I think that the, the big theme that we've had kind of as we've been going along from album to album is that we have got progressively more into kind of production in the computer trying to make songs and sounds that are more danceable. Um, and and on this album, as as with Hello, My Beautiful World, our last one, but especially on this one, is working more collaboratively with other people, um, other feature artists and producers. And, I mean, I think that we both kind of, I don't know if we discussed it, maybe we did, but we've, I don't know, or do we just intuit that we both wanted to do that? Yeah, it's, it's funny, like, because... On other records, we have had a bit more of a sit down and mm. and like oh like let, let's achieve this and let's try this. But this time, I don't know, fifth album in we it was less like that. It was more, more an unspoken kind of understanding. But with the collabs, I think we kind of basically got to a point like anytime we were anytime we were like oh could this song have a guest, we would just start like thinking oh, what about this person, what about that person, and <laughs> and. And, um, and we were both, and then Oscar would be like, yes, send them an email, DM them, <laughs> get into their Instagram DMs and see, and, you know, and we sent off all kinds of yeah, things. Excellent. them. Yeah. Um, and, and the people that are on the record are the people who, I guess, um, yeah, we have some kind of personal connection with or people who heard the music and were excited to be a part of the project. And, mm. um, 
And oftentimes, you know, the, the collabs came together really um, easily, actually. 100%. For the for the record, there is quite an eclectic guest list. I feel that you've got a, a few good Australian artists on there. Um, I think there was a, who was it, Tia, Tia Carez? Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yeah, Tia Carez, yep. Carez, um, who's this incredible kind of UK rapper, but it's almost like spoken word. And then um, one track that I loved as well was the one featuring Many Voices Speak, which is... I. I listened to the album a few times and we were very lucky enough to have listened to it beforehand. So thank you for that. I wasn't expecting that track to close out the album just after having listened to <laughs> sonically these incredible massive worlds. And then that just seems almost worlds away from, from the rest of the album. Yeah. I mean, so, so many voices speak is, is um, a, a Swedish artist. Um, mm. And that's um, in some ways uh, a product of, of, of Tim in terms of, um, you know, Tim speaks Swedish and um, has a connection to the country. Um, and I think we were working on that song. I, I can't remember what happened. I think that was one of these songs where the song just like, it was like riding a horse that bolted, you know, it just started absolutely galloping. And we were like, okay, we've got to try and stay on this horse and write <laughs> the song as it's kind of happening in front of us. And so, you know, there's like Tim has this kind of this idea for this crazy intro, which is almost like Kanye West inspired with auto-tune and like almost like a, a gospel sounding organ and like kind of like a religious sort of church sermon thing. Then going into this, this kind of melancholy and sort of um, almost like Flaming Lips inspired kind of song about, um, I guess, saying goodbye, right? Saying goodbye to a place. And then Tim was like, why don't I sing a verse in Swedish? And so at some level I'm just trying to like hold on to the reins <laughs> and just kind of like, all right, let's do a verse. Fuck it, we'll do a verse in Swedish. I don't know. Um, which, I mean, I know. I, it's, it, and, and you can't just translate it into English, you know? It's not like you can just go, okay, we did it in Swedish, but yeah, yeah, that's great. Let's just put it in English now. That that it, it would sound wrong. It would sound different. Sometimes translations don't work, and it's a you know. So anyway, then Tim through some 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 work at his end, you know, got in touch with Many Voices Speak and and, and Matilda, kind of um, did some work on that vocal and, and performed it and as well. And like, um, I mean, Swedish. I, I I actually don't know what the words are. Um, <laughs> because I don't speak Swedish and I haven't asked yet. Um, but um, it sounds beautiful. I've always loved the sound of Swedish. It's it's like to me, Swedish is like the language equivalent of like a kite flittering through the air. It's like quite a playful sounding language to me. Mm. I think she says something like, she says like, like, like looking like wistfully up at the sun at the same place in the on the earth as you are and looking out at the view from the same place like being like we're here together now and then like i dream about when we'll be together again here kind of thing your dream or something like that like i dream about when we'll be together but um yeah i think i think one one trick that well, i hope like i think one tool you have in your tool bag of of like an album is where you put the songs in the track list mm. and so you know that's like when, so when we have like we sort of take people on this journey and so sometimes when we're like okay what are we going to do with 
like, you know, what are we going to do with Rosé? Um, this kind of like folk ballad song. It's like, all right, well, what, if, what if it went this, this, this? Then we'll take people right down to Rosé and then we'll drop people in this intro to Cellophane and, and then they'll, be, they'll think they know where they are and then we'll just go somewhere. for the. And it's like with the last song, I feel like you can do whatever you like because you're like, um, you're, it's the final statement and, and it's kind of like, it's a bit like an encore in 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 the live yeah, setting yeah. and that's because that song it's about saying goodbye you know because it's like um it's like these days come around i can't hold them down and then it's like goodbye now my heart so it sort of it's it makes sense that so it's like this big goodbye song which i'm i'm hoping that we will play last in the live set and it'll be this big like farewell kind of moment <laughs> on, I, I honestly listening to it, it does kind of suit the um I would say, yeah, like an encore kind of track, the one that you're going to have a, a resolution to for the night, if you will, that it was going to be that track. Um, we've also previously spoken to some other artists about kind of track listing and things like that, and how sometimes the last track does tend to be the final statement, as you said, but also we've found that there's a, a medium percentage that seem to almost indicate possibly what a band on a band is working next on. Could we possibly expect more of a, I don't want to say like folksy sing along. I think um, before Oscar, you referenced the flaming lips, which I think is maybe a better reference. Could we expect that kind of sound on a future on the sixth, the forthcoming, whenever that may be kind of Holy Holy record. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, haven't thought about it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I, I, I sometimes I do think what you know. Imagine, I mean, wouldn't it be so funny to go back, like just go back and make a full-on rock record? Well, not just yeah. a, a, a band some kind group. of really instrumenty one, like a really kind of like physical instrumenty thing. Yeah, but not sure yet. Um, I think there is something about almost. I feel like at the moment it would almost feel like we were not doing justice to this album. At the moment, my head's really in this record, and I just want to like see it see it out and, and then maybe yeah like look within and see you know what's going to make sense in mm. the future but it's exciting that we're in this position now where you know we could probably we can do whatever we like you know we can do yes we could go anywhere and people would be like oh yeah that sounds about right oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, oh yeah, they've I'm, done I'm, it again another another weird confusing album yeah, yeah. well done holly holly thanks <laughs> <laughs> But people people do love Holy Holy. I know that the excitement around this record, um, even just kind of looking at social media on the singles that have been released so far, that there's um there's an ever everlasting love for Holy Holy. I feel that you guys don't seem to be able to do any wrong touch wood. So I know that whatever it does kind of come out will um will land well with audiences. Um just very quickly speaking on the, the guest list, some of the ones that I didn't mention, uh, we've got Tasman Keith, I think Bag Raiders, Kwame, as people would know. I know that there was a discussion of, of how you got them on the record. In terms of collaborators, is there something that, um, I guess obviously being a fan of their work helps, but is there something that you look for in terms of traits or I guess what does make a good collaborator for yourself? Oh, like the, the truth, it's each thing is it each song and each relationship is really its own whole world, you know, like 
like with Madhana, like we did that like a version, the Sunflower Post Malone like a version with her. And she is sort of from Launceston. Um, and so like we have this personal relationship with her. And um, and so when we were writing that song, you know, she came to mind as someone that, you know, it'd be, it'd be fun to work with. And you know, I, I, I'm really excited for her future and so on. So it's kind of exciting to to introduce her to our audience as well. Um, and, and, you know, be a part of her journey. And then with some, no, they're also from Tassie. Um, and, like, we we have, like, for example, we recorded a bunch of Mind Pool of Light in, in the Sumner studio in Launceston. We were, like, borrowing their studio for years. And, like, Teach Me About Dying is we wrote on a keyboard that belongs to Jack from Sumner. So we have a deep kind of relationship with them. Um, and then, like, Darcy Haven just happened to be in the same studio as us when we were recording when we were actually writing that demo she just happened to be in the next room so that's how that one happened but I mean you could say sometimes I think we're looking for something that's different to what we are you know mm-hmm. someone who brings something else um to to add add richness and add their own voice to what we're doing yeah yeah, and, and it's a personality thing. I mean, you can't always know someone's personality before you might have met them. But um... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, I think we've been really lucky. In, in, like people we know, we know. But, you know, someone like Tasman, like he, he was, you know, up for it. He was keen. And and it was really great when we, when we met Taz and, you know, got a chance to get to know him and work on this song this time with him. And, um, yeah, it matters a lot to us, I think, yeah, that that side of it as well. I mean, it, I think it has to. You know, you're making a song with someone. It's It's a personal thing. It's not just a cookie-cutter kind of exercise where you kind of, yeah, yeah, just sort of fulfilling an obligation or something like that. <laughs> um, you have to kind of have a have a connection happening, you know. And so, and it's nerve wracking, you know. Like when you get into a room with someone who you might not know, and you're thinking, "Shit, what's going to happen here? You know, how are we going to go?" Like, um, you set up that mic, and they start singing, and you're like, "It's like you first hit play, and they're on the mic, and you're thinking, what's going to happen? Is this going to work? Are we going to feel be like?" Fuck, this is awkward. Is this gonna and, and it was it was not that at all. It was it worked completely. It was and he's Tasman Keith has actually got a quite a um sort of diverse voice, you know. He does this kind of deeper rap kind of stuff, but then he's got this beautiful singing voice, which kind of goes kind of sort of quite um clear and a bit higher 
And so he was able to utilize that at, at, in the song. And that was, um, it was, it was just, um, yeah, it was really great to, to kind of be, be lucky enough to, to have that happen. Mm. And to witness, um, witness him working was, was really fun. We, that was in Sony. Sony Studios, the old studio, they we, we kind of were, they used to have this studio downstairs at Sony. It was quite a beautiful studio and we kind of clocked on at a certain point that because we were signed to them, we could get the studio for free. So we, we started like doing sessions there, you know, keep our budgets down. And um, and and Tasman came into that studio and, and he, I just remember there were so many ideas, wasn't it? Because he was like, he had so many ideas. just this and this melody and this melody and we were just like catching it all and just like, okay, okay, okay. And then it was just a matter of like sifting through it, but um, yeah, we, he, he showed quite a few different facets of his artistic self in that song, which is great. It is an incredible track. This time, featuring Tasman Keith, was one of my favourite tracks on the record, along with the the Tia track, Two Minds, Two Days, Two Mornings. Absolutely love those. I know it's unfair to kind of ask an artist if they have a favourite track on the record, so I want to kind of switch it up a little bit. Is there a song that you guys hope resonates with fans more than another one from this new record? Um, I mean, I, I have my, I have like the, I have some thoughts about what will because I, I, we've got a bit of a track record. Like, um, like that song St. Petersburg. What album is that on? That's on Hello, My Beautiful World, isn't it? My own pool of no. What's no St. Petersburg's on My Own Pool of Light. Is it? Yeah. Okay. So anyway, so like some, sometimes there's certain like songs and, and they're not the ones that tend to like hit people's ears straight away, but then like down the track, they're the ones that people are like, oh, that will like, would, could you please play that song and stuff? So I think that Rosé will find its audience. It won't be for everyone, but there'll be certain people who gravitate to that one. Yeah, but I in, I don't really have any hopes for what might resonate with anyone. I, You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. what resonates is what resonates, I suppose. Um, do you know what I mean? Like I'm not backing a horse on <laughs> the record. Um, and and you sort of know, though, like when you play songs live, I remember when we put out um, My Own Pool of Light, our third album, and I, it, it might have been that the album hadn't come out yet. But we were playing a show and we, I remember we played Teach Me About Dying, the song Teach Me About Dying, um, which up until that point I was like, oh, it's just a song on the record or whatever, like, um, like you know, a song I really love, but just a song. And I noticed how the crowd reacted at this show, and I was like, "Huh, oh, that was interesting." I wasn't expecting that. It's like they take on a bit of a life of their own, and in in, in subsequently, that song has become one of the biggest songs of that record um, in terms of you know people really responding to it. Um, and I, I think I'm the worst judge sometimes, <laughs> you know. Um, and and it's so nice when you play a song and you see it take on a life of its own in front of a crowd, I suppose. 100%. Well, as you said, I think that people will connect with what they're going to connect with and there are plenty of songs to connect with on this record. As we mentioned, it is very varied in its sonic uh, soundscape and, and the songs that you're trying to achieve. I do want to very quickly ask, um, I know you mentioned Sun, uh, Sunflower just a second ago, is that where the auto-tune for this record kind of came in? Was that the introduction or the bridging for auto-tune on some of these songs? Was it Hold Up? When, or I can't remember when we started. Uh, we did work with auto-tune on Sunflower. Yeah, we did. I mean, it was also, it was, it was a couple of different things at once, I think maybe. Sunflower, like, 
had us doing it um, and trying it and sort of getting used to it. And then I did some write. I did a writing session with Somna, and 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 they do a thing when they're writing, when they're improvising, they have a bit of tune on, like from the get go. From the get go. And I began to see. Like Tasman's, I, I think Tasman might be the same, and I wouldn't, and I reckon Kwame, Kwame is probably the same well. as well. So there are this sort of, there is this sort of generation of artists who that's how they that's how they actually compose, and I do think that so I was interested just to try that, and and there is something kind of like there's something really satisfying about it, and when like when you've got the cans on and you've got like a track going and you're singing with with the tune on as you're writing. Mm-hmm. It feels it feels good and satisfying, and I think it actually a bit like a bit like maybe you would sing differently if you did if you had reverb on or not. You know, you lean into the effect, and so I think I was kind of keen to explore like yeah, like how the how that effect would um would uh, would would in turn like change my melody writing and my the, my the, my delivery and so on. So we just kind of like tried it um i think i mean I'm, I'm it's been a while now i forget how many of the songs on this record kind of dip into that like effect mm. um but i do find it interesting the way that people re- like pe- the way that people react to um melodyne and autotune is very like primal like people would never <laughs> react about like um like just distortion putting distortion on a vocal or putting um like a flanger on a vocal or putting reverb um, and those are all like the effects that mimic something, but but as a culture we accept those as normal. And actually, some people wouldn't even hear it. They wouldn't if they heard a song. They wouldn't be like, oh, there's that and that. They just think, oh yeah, that sounds like that. But people have all this cultural baggage with auto tune, and it's all, along the lines of like that it's fake or that the person can't sing, um, and therefore they're having to rely on it, which I find really interesting. And I, remember, I actually do remember feeling that. I remember when I first heard Shares Believe. I was like, oh, bloody sure. You know, why, why is she doing that? It's so funny because obviously she's a gun singer. She's amazing. Like it wasn't that she couldn't sing. It was that she liked the sound that sounded cool. Um, and, and it's funny that we're this many decades later and there's still a bit of that kicking around. And and even like if they hear autotune, like we'll, we'll write a song that's like pretty alternative and, and kind of strange. But if it has autotune, they'll be like, oh, that sounds poppy. Like there's these funny little cultural associations with that particular effect. Yeah, I'm, especially in the last five years, I've never quite understood that. I feel like um, Bon Iver with some of his projects, Kanye with some of his, and then a number of subsequent rappers after that have kind of normalised it a little bit. And I think that if anything, it well, I don't think it changed. I don't think that any of the songs on this record became more poppy. I just, um, what was it? The opening track, Neon Street, when it, uh, it was kind of like lightly flirting with it and then when it kind of really ramped in um if anything it just made me stop what i was doing and like listen to the record more kind of uh, hairs on the back of my neck kind of feeling so if it's an instrument that's doing well i think you've used it uh you've utilized the instrument well none, none of this pop baggage kind of bullshit with this record anyway <laughs> yeah cool yeah i mean that's good to hear that you said that way and the bunny bird like mentioned bunny bird i was like that's interesting you know because he kind of took it into that world which i guess sort of sits a bit more where we are um 
But yeah, I mean, I, I had thought that we, uh, everyone as a society, had walked through that door and we were like just marching in the new lands where you can use melodyne. But it turns out um, some people don't feel that way. But that's fine. Maybe they'll come walking into the lands with us. Yeah, who, not. who knows? I mean, I can understand to some degree, like, yeah, there are certain sounds and effects that are, yeah, either mimicking something that occurs in nature, such as reverb, or, um, or, or are exaggerations, you know, of, of something that you kind of already might be familiar with, like distortion. But auto-tune is not heard in nature at all, isn't it? And so I suppose it is fundamentally fiddling with the human voice, which we're so acutely tied to, you know, the sound of the human voice, when you start manipulating it, pitch shifting it and so on, it's so it's so very noticeable to people, I suppose. So, you know, from, maybe, maybe I can understand. But then again, like, after all these years of, I don't know, CGI and movies and, um, yeah, as you say, like, you know, since T-Pain and Sure and, like, it's – and, and it is, I, I, I thought we were at a point where it was normalised and it's just considered a part of the kind of suite of effects that are, you know, available. And, like um, – but, yeah, it, it is more normalised, isn't it, I suppose. But it, I, I love the sound of it. And there was actually more on the record than what we ended up with. We – some cases we did peg it back a bit we kind of went oh let's just actually chill it out there like we were a bit judicious because it's easy once you start using it to just put it everywhere because <laughs> everything you put auto tune you're like that sounds sick you know um so in some, some cases we probably did peg it back a little bit yeah more. i mean that's why i think that's also perhaps why like i mean and it's funny you know because what, what uh, one thing that happens is we write the record um you know sort of like going through and making all these decisions and some some of them are subconscious and so on. And and oftentimes it's only when we do interviews like these that you start to actually stitch things together and realise. But like a song like Rosé where there's no, there's very little effect on the vocal and you can hear like the, um, there's a bit of like noise, ambient noise from my farm out in Tassie. And also we recorded for Rosé, we recorded the acoustic guitar and the vocal with one microphone in one take. It's, it's very kind of like, it's almost like a live performance. And one thing that that means is that you can't tune the vocal really because the guitar and the vocal are together. So it's not possible to like manipulate them. And I think there was some, uh, maybe there was some part of me, me at least, and it might be the same for you of being like, like, look, we can, we can do this. We can do this. Like we can do it. Like this is what, it's, this is what the voice sounds like without as well. And it's just kind of like, you know, these are the different colors of what we're able to do kind of thing. 100%. Look, I I think that you've, in terms of what made it to the record, it, it did work quite well with, um, with autotune. Um, gentlemen, lastly, I do want to quickly touch on, we would usually ask, I guess, what they're currently listening to. I think last time, and this is back in 2021, I think we talked about, um, both Post Malone and maybe some Bossa Nova or some, um, samba music. I'm trying to remember exactly who the artist was, but um, I was wondering if you wouldn't mind yeah, giving us what you're currently listening to at the moment. I just stumbled across, you know, Tiny Desk, mm-hmm. the NPR thing. Uh, like I just, you know, sometimes YouTube just auto-plays. Yes. And like one video comes I was at work and, and I was watching something and then it finished. And then Hermanas Gutierrez came on, which is like, I think that's Spanish for the Gutierrez brothers. And they're just this two-piece um i'm not exactly sure where they're from i i might assume mexico but it could be elsewhere two-piece guitarist just it's just instrumental guitar 
and so filmic and um cinematic and like put it on and go driving at night in the rain or something and it's just like it's amazing that's what i've been listening to nice lovely oscar what about I, i'm so bad at answering this i've said that um my, around the dinner table i was just saying this to someone else just before my wife will often play a lot of like indian classical music and so, or sometimes indian pop as well or like a blend of the two as it sometimes is and so um I like it when she does that. It sort of takes me out of my head a little bit of yeah. the music that's like in our kind of quote unquote contemporary world. Although a lot of that Indian pop is like contemporary, I suppose it's just got a, a different tone and different color to it. So that's been really great. Um, I never know the names of the artists, which I feel horrible about. Um, uh, the soundtrack to The Bear, the show. <laughs> mm-hmm. Brilliant. <laughs> That's such a cool soundtrack. I love that. And it's so, like, um, it's a bit romantic. Um, I don't know if the show's super romantic per se, but the soundtrack is, and it just takes me to a time, you know. Um, it's it's great. Um, it's, oh, who, who's on that? It's Radiohead, but also um, what's the band? Wilco and um, The Shins. It's kind of like... In a way, it's kind of really obvious, but it's I, I I haven't listened to those bands for ages, and so it just took me back, you know. Was that like is that like early two thousands? Yeah, it's a bit a bit early two thousands y, maybe a bit late two thousands y, and a bit of nineties in there as well. And it's like nostalgic. Um, and some in some cases, like with a band like the Shins, like I never really got into the Shins when they first sort of came around. I liked it, but I never really loved it, and now. We smash it at home, and I'm just like, this yeah. is the best, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Look, very, very different choices, but all um, fantastic choices, gentlemen. Thank you very much for sharing your uh, what you're currently listening to, but also for joining us on the podcast today. I do very much appreciate it. Thanks, Simon. Thank you, Simon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.